Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome into the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in the bubble in Orlando with my guy, the big guy, Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated, senior writer. Bicycle riding buddy. Uh, yeah, bike riding partner. Even though you're the only one that, that's got the Debo bike, uh, everybody else got to turn their bikes in every few days. This man has got a bike parked in his room 24-7. I, I need to know what's going on. Um, we, we can't hate, though. That's, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> um, I, 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 I should mention your other title now, author. Um, you and Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, another one of our f- close friends. Um, the Spencer Haywood Rule, and I, I love this title. Battles, Basketball, and the Making of an American Iconoclast, man. That, we, we're definitely going to talk about the book here, Mark. Um, but l- let's first kind of get into where this this finals is, where this series is, you know, Miami taking one on the chin in game one, losing Goran Dragic to a plantar fasciitis tear in his foot, Bam Adebayo with a, with a shoulder injury. I can't imagine things going worse for a team in game one of the finals than losing basically your two most impactful players if you look at how they played throughout the course of these playoffs. It's just sad, man, because – the Heat have been this amazing story. Uh, they, they keep telling you that they're built for the bubble, and I believe them. They, they are built for the bubble. You know, Jimmy Butler hasn't gotten a haircut yet, and right. um, he and Haslam or Udonis are, are both sleeping on their couch, couch beds, <laughs> which I, I don't know what that does, but that's what they're doing. Right. Um, they're also like um, Udonis is eating chunky soup every day. Like, and their whole thing is that they don't want to be comfortable. And, and I think it has helped them that mentally they haven't been comfortable. They came here to win. There's a lot of teams that, you know, one, one of the trainers of the teams told me, he's like, when they first got here, and I can't say the name of the team, but mm-hmm. like my biggest worry is that people on our team come here complaining too much. Right. And any, any little thing that is, isn't as what their typical accommodations are, you know, they're going to let that bother them and they're going to let that come to the court and affect them. And I think that was the case with several teams. Yeah. That they, you know, let a lot of little stuff bother them. Um, he weren't one of those teams. So like their rise to the finals, I, I, are they the best team on paper in the East? No. Are they the best? Team mentally, probably so in the East, and they, and they made it here. And so to see Dragic get hurt, and and I think Sekou, I don't know if you heard me because we were sitting on the baseline. And I'm like, yeah, I said, man, Goran's dragging that leg, man. He's dragging that foot. Remember when I said that? Mm-hmm. I thought it was because of the knee, but obviously it was something much more. You know, the coach of the Lakers, Frank Vogel, described him as their third All Star, the Heat's third All Star the other day. So to lose him, probably for the series. 
I, I think Bam's going to end up playing. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing, but you're not going to get him at full strength. I don't know. Ankle, like, yeah. And then your bench cuts down. It's, and then, and then with all that, you got your butt kicked. <laughs> it was right, just, right. right now, man, unless they, you know, if some Hollywood movie comes out of this equation or something, it doesn't look good for the heat. You covered enough of these, Mark, to know that it's really about attrition. You know, who can survive to this point in the season as healthy as possible? I think about Toronto last year. And, you know, you don't ever want to take away from a champion and the grind that it takes to win one. But you got to have some things go your way. And if you're the Lakers, to be able to get to this point healthy yeah, with all of your principles, except for Avery Bradley, in uniform, ready to play, um, I'm, you know, you can't, I'm not mad at the Lakers yeah. for being fortuitous in, in how they got here. Um, I, I would say this about the Lakers. The one thing that helped them is they, they got their series done pretty quick. It allowed them to get some rest. They were always the more rested team going into the series. You know, Phil Handy, the Lakers assistant, told me that, you know, Le- LeBron James is on a different level when he's rested. A little thing that the NBA did, which I think ended up helping the Lakers, was them moving back to Eastern Conference Finals a couple of days. Right. So then that ends up ending after the West, and the Lakers get an extra day of rest. You know, I, I don't think they should have ever changed. They, like, changed the East so they could, like, catch up. Maybe it was because of some stuff on television, too, with the NFL and blah, blah, blah. Right. But the, the Lakers have been, throughout this thing, the most rested team. And, and it has benefited them. And, and I really think that LeBron James uses vibranium. <laughs> I want him to pull his lip down, and I want to see if he has that. <laughs> what kind of mark behind his lip? Because I've never seen those superstar stay as healthy as him, man. It's amazing to me. Like he'll like look like he sprained his leg or broke his leg, and then next thing you know, boom, he gets up like nothing happened. It's, it's, right. For somebody that big to be that healthy is stunning. And and to this point, Anthony Davis has been like fine china, yeah, in his career. AD had a zillion injuries, but I also think LeBron, playing with LeBron has forced him to become tougher. Mm-hmm. When you think about the impact of potentially winning this finals for LeBron, for AD, for the Lakers, who do you think has the most at stake in winning this finals? Is it AD getting that first one? Is LeBron getting that fourth one? Changing the conversation about his legacy once again. I mean, who stands to gain the most by winning this championship if you're the Lakers? Oh, I mean, it's always LeBron. Mm-hmm. Gives him three titles with three different teams. You get the Lakers their first championship in 10 years, which is significant. Mm-hmm. No matter how much time he spends with the Lakers, if he doesn't bring them a championship, that's something that's going to be considered a, a knock on his uh, resume. I mean, at this point, He's chasing Jordan. He's chasing Will. He's chasing Russell. He's chasing the greats. Beauty's in the eye of a holder in terms of who you think is the best of all time. I'm, I've always right. been the Magic Johnson guy. Right. Man, most people may not agree with me, but I, Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But it just cements his legacy even more. To say that you've been in the finals in three different decades <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's crazy to say that you've been to 10. So with that, that would make his record, what, three and seven? No, four and If they win it, it'll be his fourth championship overall. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to win four, 
pretty impressive, man. Even if he has a losing record, having four titles just hey, man. What do you say? Yeah, it's major. <laughs> you know, it's major. Like um, with, with AD, that's great. You know, I'm happy for him, but he has a long way to go and, and a long way to get into that uh, top five conversation, which I don't know if he'll ever get into that. But right. LeBron is here, and if he if he could bring the Lakers a championship on in a year that Kobe passed, I think that's pretty historically significant. Yeah, no, no question. Mark, there are a lot of people down here in this bubble ecosystem that are not on camera. You're not seeing them. You know, you're not hearing their voices. It's, all you're seeing is the games from TV from afar. But I know you've talked to quite a few people who have been instrumental mm-hmm. in, in making this thing go off. And I, and I think the league and, and the NBPA and the players and everybody involved deserves a huge applause for doing this thing and doing it right. You know, with the coronavirus pandemic wreaking havoc everywhere else. Um, who has been some of the most intriguing people you've dealt with and talked to down here who are behind the scenes that people don't know about or maybe haven't seen in front of a camera? I actually think it's pretty cool as an African-American to see black people doing major things, you know, things that are in a leadership position. And because I, I always say that in the journalism world, we need more, more black people in leadership roles and, and decision-making roles. So here in the bubble, man, I think a lot of people may be surprised to know that the lead doctor, uh, Dr. Leroy Sims, is an, you know, is an African-American doctor who, who's basically medically in charge of this, this whole thing. And I remember interviewing him like about a month in, and seeing the stress in his eyes, the, 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 eye, the red eyes, and just the lack of sleep and, and the worry. Now that he sees a light at the end of the tunnel, when I see him, he looks happier. <laughs> but he's somebody that has gotten some spotlight, some praise, that it's, it's great. I'm glad he got that because he deserves that. He's an amazing young doctor. And to say that he was the doctor of the bubble, I think it's going to be great for him. Two days before the NBA canceled or postponed the season, it's a black woman by the name of Rosalind Durant who became in charge of Walt Disney World of Sports. Two days before. <laughs> like, hey, welcome to Disney. Oh, no. Welcome to Disney. <laughs> so she basically got the job two days into the birth of really the us believing about the pandemic here. And so that was a scary undertaking for her. She took the challenge and was able to help convince the NBA to come here and uh, have their games at ESPN Wild World of Sports. And uh, it's hard for the viewer to see it, but they're doing like a phenomenal job over there, man. It it, it worked well, three arenas right next to each other. And it was crazy, said Koo. I remember we watched the um, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals and then walked five minutes afterwards and went to Game seven of the, of, uh, the Clippers in Denver. <laughs> that was a trip yeah. to me to do that, yeah. but that's, you know, life in the bubble. And then today I had a story on um, uh, Byron Spruell. He's like basically a president of uh, basketball operations at the NBA, and he's basically the architect of the bubble. He'll be here several days after it's all over, making sure everything gets uh, wrapped up. But he's, he's the one yeah. that's been in charge of all the scheduling and, 
in the meetings and talking to the referees and talking to the players on a regular basis and even to the teams that aren't here. Uh, he, he's had hundreds of meetings since he's been here. He was the leading uh, NBA executive around when the Bucks decided not to play. You know, Silver and Mark Tatum weren't here, and, but he was the one that handled it. So there, there's been some, some really great um, African-American um, leadership on, the, on a high level here in the bubble. The intersection of the politics, the game, the culture, where all of that has kind of come to a head down here. And you mentioned the, the Bucks and, and the shutdown of, of play here at one point, the, the concern that maybe it wouldn't start back up. How do you think this bubble experience, the, the finish of this season, impacts the culture of the league moving forward? I, this has been one of my concerns. I've been wondering how many people out there that might have been fans or, or followers of the league before this will have turned away from it because of the, the strong social justice stance that, that the players have taken as a group? I think it depends on how big a fan you are. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I say that too. I, I certainly have a lot of friends who understandably were very, very upset with the NFL about the treatment of Colin Kaepernick and the black bowling of Colin Kaepernick. No doubt. But come Sunday, they watching their team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, man, that was messed up. Oh, uh, who we playing? You know what I mean? So it's like their allegiance, they're mad, but their allegiance to their team is so strong. And I kind of feel like in, in basketball, I don't know, man, if, if you ain't for this social justice movement, I don't care if you watch. Because if you're going to watch, you're going to get yeah. a dose of social justice. It's just inevitable and you need it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you hate it, you need it. And <laughs> right. um, uh, But what I do think is going to be interesting perhaps from a media standpoint, and this might be too inside basketball. Like another thing that the people don't see is a lot of these, all the interviews are like on zoom. Right. So I think in the NBA and in particularly the WNBA, uh, they're realizing that, okay, if we make these coaches and players interviews available on zoom, then we could get more publicity around the world. We could get more stories around the world. Because, like, as I say, cool, you know, mm-hmm. we've heard people from, like, Europe and Brazil and, like, people that aren't able to come here that, you know, normally at the finals, there'd be people from all over the world here. But now I think they're like, well, right. if we could get this Zoom access and we'll save some money. So I, I think these um, Zoom station interviews – aren't going away. I think that will be even in a healthy world, a part of the future. So other people could, um, so they could get their word out a lot more. So I, I don't think that goes, but I hope they don't continue to mess with our ability to go in the locker rooms, pregame, postgame. Like that to me as a journalist has been really, really hard because we we're used to getting access to the players, unique one-on-one access a lot of access based on relationships and that, that where our legs have kind of been knocked off for that. Yeah. I'm wondering how much of everything that goes on in the 2020 portion of this NBA season is going to be a one-off, you know, how much of it will be something that's specific to this year. And then obviously you got to recalibrate and move on to whatever comes next at the commissioner. Adam Silver was here before game one spoke at length with us 
you know, in person and on Zoom, um, kind of about the state of the league right now. And Gary Washburn, who I mentioned earlier, who is your co-author um, on the Spencer Haywood rule book, he asked the commissioner a very interesting question. And with Doc Rivers agreeing to terms to become Philadelphia's coach, it, it I think it's still a, a prescient topic. The, the lack of African-American coaches in the league, you know, we're down from the double yeah. digits a few years ago to a handful, Mark. And I thought the commissioner had an interesting comment. He just talked about how he didn't think a Rooney rule type situation fit the league, yeah. but he, he knows full well that they can do better. Like, you know, the ownership in this league can do a better job of vetting a diverse group of candidates for these head coaching positions. What do you look at as the trouble signs in the coaching ranks at this point, you know, in terms of not having enough representation. Here's the thing I liken it to, and, and I've talked to Mark Tatum about this in length and Or Stewart, who's NBA's director of uh, inclusion and diversity. Like, you can't force anybody to do anything from an NBA level. Right. It's like, say we're McDonald's, right? How many franchises McDonald's has? They've paid for the franchise. You can't tell them who to hire as manager. Yeah. And that's how it is in the NBA. It's like they're a franchise. So it starts with the owners. And I know that Mark Tatum and Ora Stewart, like anytime that there's an opening, they're sending candidates that perhaps they should look at. Mm -hmm. They're sending back down information on not only black candidates, but candidates of color and women. If you look at the ownership, you know, the majority of owners are white you know, the people are going to hire yeah. people that they are comfortable with. My thing is, man, just people kind of have in their mind who they want to hire before anyway. You know what I mean? But I do think that if you bring in a diverse group of candidates, that maybe somebody might surprise you. Maybe, maybe you might like somebody more than you thought they would. You know, obviously Doc Rivers has some cachet and I, a lot of people thought Dan Tony was going to get that job. And, but, you know, shoot, Doc's two wins away from being the 10th all-time winning this coach right. <laughs> in NBA history. So, you know, Doc is – I hear a lot of black assistant coaches say, well, typically when we get a job, it's the, it's the fixer-up project. Yeah. You know, we, we got that old car that we got to go put the wheels on and the new engine in and paint it, and the white coaches get to drive the Ferrari. Well, Doc got a Ferrari, you know what I mean? I know that's not really the norm, but I do think there are some good jobs out there. I think the Pelican job is is intriguing. Oklahoma City, obviously that, but but when it comes down to it, there's only 30 of these jobs. So I don't, to me, I don't buy that they're all bad jobs. There's 30 of them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hard jobs to get. And Adam Silver said something in his press conference that I thought was really, really interesting that kind of made me wonder, I'm like, does he know something? Because he said, okay, now we only have four black coaches out of 30, but let's see what happens with these six. Now, like, that was a little like, okay, maybe he knows something, I don't know kind of deal. But, you know, Doc Rivers got the job with Philly. Looks like Ty Lue's going to get something. I wouldn't be surprised if he got the job with the Clippers. But ultimately, I just hope teams just give a diverse group of candidates a fair shake. And whoever the best man or woman is, hire them. I think that's all really the NBA can do is ask them to have a diverse group to look at and figure it out from there. 
Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier, Mark, about the Spencer Haywood rule, the the book you and, and Gary Washburn co-authored this getting in people's hands. Now I'm, I cheated. I, I got a copy a long time ago to look at. What was it like diving into the, the personal, you know, backstory of one of the most interesting characters to ever come through this league, man. Spencer Haywood may not be a household name to young NBA fans, but I really think from an entertainment standpoint, if they read the book, they'd be like, there'd be a lot, a lot. Wow. There'd be a lot of <laughs> OMG and there'd be a lot of LOL. Like, like there's a, uh, Spencer is crazy, man, in a good way. Right. Uh, what he went through as a child is horrible. You know, growing up on cotton fields and dealing with racism from birth, dealing with poverty, um, eating roadkill, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Some of that stuff was just, yeah, like, mind-boggling. Like, crazy, man. Like, he, you know, picking cotton, um, dealing with, like, extreme racism to the point it pushed him out of Mississippi. Um, then you got the Olympics, his, his, his pro career, drug issues. Like, there, there's just so many layers to him that I, I would implore anybody, especially people that have no clue who he is, to read the book because it's, his story is just entertaining. I, like, say, cool, I don't, I read books where you get bored. I don't think he's boring. Like, the whole way through, his, his whole story is certainly, doc, you know, 30 for 30 worthy. Right. He's a great, great guy. He's hilarious. Played with Magic on the first finals team that Magic was on. Just just a lot. You know, the, the godfather of free agency, really. Please read it. Please get it. You won't be disappointed. And if you get it and I see you, I'd love to sign it. The Spencer Haywood Rule by uh, Mark Spears and Gary Washburn. You can get it on Amazon, um, anywhere you get your books at right now. I don't want to jinx you or we had Chris Haynes on the show earlier this week or anybody else that's been down here for, for close to uh, creeping up on that 100-day mark. But I see light at the end of the tunnel now that we're in the finals, Mark. But what does that mean to you, having been here as long as you have, adjusted your mind to being here, all of the different things that go into it? Like, what does it feel like now that you know you're three wins away, potentially, from the end of this? It makes every day a little easier. And knowing that, at worst, October 14th, I'll be home. Right. And today is October 2nd, but I still remember showing up on July 12th. I mean, like, if you think about it, man, it's been, bro, it's, I've been here forever, man. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's had a toll on my family. Yeah. I got everything in my room to, like, try to make me happy, man. I got my wine fridge. <laughs> uh, I got my air humidifier. I got a toaster oven, which I've invited you to use. Yes, I appreciate that. You know, because I know, you know, you like your stuff a little toasty. Like me, I watch the local news on my iPad. You know, I grind my own coffee beans, make my own coffee with an old school coffee maker. But it's time to go home, man. But I'm really honored to have been here, to have this opportunity to to be a part of history. I, I know there's a ton of journalists that would have loved to take in my spot. And this is going to be like something. Yeah. God willing, we're around 20, 30, 40 years from now. Remember when we were in the bubble? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the food. And uh, we couldn't go to that restaurant. And then we we figured out a way to get in. And we got our uh, steak and eggs. That was really tasty. It's going to be a hell of a book. 
Can't tell the stories, but we got a ton of them. No, no, no. But it's gonna be a hell of a book. We might have to might have to get a deal where we all collaborate, write a few chapters, um, put another book on your resume. It's gonna be interesting though, just to finish and everything else is going on. It's been a wild ride for those of us who are short timers down here. I can only imagine for the folks who have been here for the duration. Um, what these these final days feel like, man. Whenever it ends, we gonna go to the, that restaurant that won't let us. We, we gonna go to Three Bridges restaurant. We gonna ride our bikes one last time. So you, you keep your bike that last day, man. Don't be turning that in. We gonna do a late night bike ride. <laughs> That's a definite. All right, bro. Appreciate you, bro. We'll see you next time right here on the Hang Time Podcast. <laughs>